Hello and welcome to the CGF podcast. My name is Louise Chester. I work in the communications team at the Consumer Goods Forum and this is the latest episode in our third season of the podcast where we delve behind the scenes of our work and we share our thoughts about the challenges facing our industry, the planet and its people. The Consumer Goods Forum is a CEO-led organization that helps the world's retailers and consumer goods manufacturers to collaborate alongside other key stakeholders to secure consumer trust and drive positive change. For today's episode, I'm joined by three members of the CGF's Collaboration for Healthier Lives Coalition of Action. There's Marcus Osborne from Walmart, who chairs the coalition, along with two of his fellow committee members, Imke van Gasselt from Arhold Deleuze and Lisa Gibby from Nestle. The CEOs of both Arhold Deleuze and Nestle co-sponsor the committee at board level. We're catching up today as the committee is about to launch a brand new booklet which features case studies on how member companies are helping vulnerable communities in the wake of COVID-19. Hello there. Thank you to all three of you for joining me today. I'd love to begin by hearing all about the new booklet that's just been published. Marcus, perhaps you could tell me more? Uh, Certainly. So at the end of last year, uh, the CGF announced that its members would work together on various actions to support vulnerable communities hardest hit by the COVID pandemic. Um, Frankly, the the need for this coordinated global response to mitigate the impact of COVID-19 is is critical. And we know hundreds of millions, um, frankly, if not even now into the billions of people have lost their jobs um, or have been uh, financially impacted and have been pushed into uh, poverty and sometimes extreme poverty and recognizing the urgency of the crisis. uh, Some of the world's largest retailers and manufacturers, all the members of CGF, responded to the call. And for many years, the collaboration for healthier lives um, has driven collaboration or driven collaborative actions through local initiatives uh, to drive healthier lifestyles. To ramp up the critical support for people in vulnerable communities affected by the pandemic, we identified a series of actions to directly respond to their urgent needs. Um, The CGF has actually produced a a really nice case study booklet that showcases the various actions that those answering to this call implemented to ensure that the most vulnerable had access and continue to have access to healthier foods and personal care products um, by donating or collaborating with food banks, local charities, among other actions to drive impact at scale. Uh, The results, uh, I think, are significant to date. Over 500 million meals have been donated over 800 million, uh, eight, 800 million euros worth of donations have been shared uh, by almost 50 participating organizations operating in over 100 countries. And, you know, the biggest story, I think, is that those donations, that food and those donations went to help um, health workers, children, the elderly, farmers, low-income households, and disabled persons um, who have all been Um, so negatively impacted by this pandemic. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you for sharing that. So I know that the three of you have all submitted case studies from your respective companies. Would you mind sharing a bit of your stories for our listeners today? 
Sure, um, Louise, I'll, I'll start out from Nestle. And uh, just to give you some context, um, you know, we're, we're the largest food and beverage company in the world. We, we believe we're uniquely positioned to help. We operate uh, in about 187 countries and we're really committed to using our size and scale to be a force for good and to help. So, um, but what was interesting about this crisis is kind of how it really, the support really happened organically at the local level and really with our businesses and factories around the world, just stepping up and doing what was needed with the local communities, whether that was donating food or financial support. And um, that, that just really happened right off the bat. Um, and then from a corporate perspective, we partnered with the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies for Emergency Services. So it was kind of bottoms up and top down. And um, in all, it certainly adds up, we've contributed about $100 million in support uh, in kind and through donations. And I think have really helped make a difference along with the other CGF companies. Um, but, but really beyond the numbers and how this adds up, it's about the people who are behind these efforts that made it possible. And um, I recently learned the story of a woman named Pilar Bustamante, who's a medical assistant in Nestle, Spain. And she lost both of her parents um, tragically early in the pandemic. Oh, that's awful. It, it was just such a terrible story, but um, you know, through her grief, she continued to come to work every day. And she felt such a deep commitment to her colleagues and she wanted to keep them safe. She's a medical assistant and she felt a deep commitment to the community and frank, frankly, you know, our, our business partners to make sure we were continuing operations and getting food produced and into stores and onto shelves, um, whether those are, are shelves of our retail partners or um, food bank partners. So it's really examples uh, like Pilar and the Everyday Heroes, which I know are throughout our organizations. Thank you, Lisa. Imka? Yeah, sure, yeah. Well, one of the elements on how ALDA has supported is through the donation of, of more than 50,000 tons of food. Um, to food banks, obviously, and local relief organizations. Um, and we do that in Europe, the United States, and Indonesia. That's where we are located with our retailers. And um, it's, it's, I think it's all about the collaboration with, with the organizations on the ground, the local organizations, like, for example, Feeding America or uh, Meals on Wheels or well, any other local food bank. And, um, and we saw amazing initiatives popping up, for example, in the, in the US, the Stop It Shop, they donated 5,000 free fresh meals every day for healthcare first responders in some of the areas that were hardest hit by the pandemic. Um, well, for example, Hannaford, they used its network to put local farmers and food producers in direct contact with food banks, with the local food banks, um, to support food waste reduction and improve um, food security. Um, so it's, it's, it's also great to see how, how in each of our regions, uh, brands are standing up um, and, and also like are creative in, in the way how they support. Um, and what's, I think what we see most, it's, it's all about local actions. 
Um, and then, of course, in addition to, to food donations, the company gave monetary donations, uh, for example, to drive medical research uh, for the cre creation of a vaccine, um, as well as donations in the Netherlands, for example, to the Dutch Red Cross. Um, so I think just, yeah, it's, it's, as was just mentioned as well, it's, it's the creativity, um, it grew organically, and it's, it feels as if it's just started. Everyone's aware that it's just the beginning. Uh, and much more needs to be done. Thank you, Inka. And Marcus, what's about on the Walmart side? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I think it's it's been really interesting because of the the when I've had to kind of step back and look at the role we've played, it it just has had to come in so many different areas. I mean, the most obvious is, you know, we were called in to play a significant role from a public health perspective and being the front line for initially COVID testing and now being the front line for uh, COVID immunizations and in, in a lot of the communities here in the in the U.S., um, you know, I think there has been an enormous amount of work to support associates, you know, on one hand to to protect them, but to support them financially, to support them around their mental health and other other around other issues, because fundamentally our associates we recognized very very early on, you know, that they were going to be the front line of this um, that. Um, in much in much the same way we talk about healthcare workers being the front line, I think our associates were the front line because they were uh, putting themselves at risk um, to come into work, but knowing that they needed to come in because people needed to get access to food and personal care items and other other things they needed to 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 live. Um, and and certainly we've supported and continue and continue support um, in a very significant way organizations like Feeding America, Meals on Wheels, and Share Our Strength to, to enable, to, to better address the, the vulnerable populations that are being so negatively impacted. But, you know, I think probably the, the thing that stands out is the way in which the stores and clubs um, have been enabled and um, encouraged to, you know, uh, do, and, and associates at the local level to go out and do things um, that are going to impact uh, the community they're in, and I'm, I'm mindful of a of a young woman in the Navajo reservation in New Mexico who, you know, working with her club, you know, very early recognized I think well before some of the national organizations the, the challenges that uh, particularly uh, the the elderly population was facing in terms of food insecurity, and so started a program where she went out with uh, her mom and then eventually you know other people who worked in the club and you know, delivered water and food and other things before some of the other agencies and, and governmental organizations kicked in. So I think, I think it's, this is, I think when, when, when we're able, um, got willing to put the pandemic in our rear view, um, I think we're going to find all of our organizations have so many stories, uh, big and small, of, of people just having enormous impact. Super, yes. And as you say, hopefully it is just the beginning. Um, so clearly an enormous amount of work has already been done. Um, but what, what do you think that we could be doing more of as an industry to support the vulnerable? Yeah, I, I could say something about that. Um, you know, I think we have a great network through CGF. It's a, it's a global network. And um, um, yeah, the, the, the successful approach, in my view, is always collaboration and local actions. Um, and I think we're, yeah, we're doing well on that. And I think also that this booklet is an example uh, of this collaborative action. 
And at the same time, I think um, sharing knowledge and sharing uh, tangible actions is one way to learn from each other and to build up them. But at the same time, I think there might be an opportunity to do more if we would be able to reach out to each other a bit earlier in the process. So when we start initiatives in our own organizations and just in that first phase of that initiative, if we would then reach out to each other, um, then I think we could build upon each other's initiatives and um, we elaborate together and then further accelerate those initiatives. So I think there might be a bit of room to further uh, improve our collaboration. So that would be more a multi-stakeholder uh, approach in the initiatives itself. And then local, obviously, because that's where we make the difference. Okay, fantastic. So yes, early collaboration is key, it seems. Um, Lisa, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I, listen, I, I think we, um, we did a, a good job overall as an industry. Uh, we figured it out, we got to it. Um, but certainly, I think learning from each other and being faster in collaborating is, is key to success. Hopefully, we never have another crisis like this. But I'm sure that um, if, if, if we do have anything similar, um, we're, just, we're just much more agile. And I think we're ready to jump in and problem solve uh, in a way that's going to help us in the future. Wonderful. And over to you, Marcus. Yeah, I think, I think probably the, one of the bigger things now, I, I think, is to recognize that the vulnerability th that we're talking about is maybe much more significant and broader. And so I think it is being mindful of that and then um, not, not being kind of too uh, narrow viewed around it. I mean, I think we've all, it, it took a while for us to recognize that the issue wasn't just COVID itself. But, you know, the, but things like food insecurity and, and being able to get access to the the products you need to <clears throat> stay alive. And, and so I think now we're seeing the, 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 the other vulnerabilities. And I'm, I'm sort of one that comes to mind is the impact that social uh, isolation is having on the mental health of our most vulnerable. And I think particularly again, uh, for, for, for seniors and the elderly. And so I think it, I think it is a call to action um, uh, that, you know that that we need to continue to recognize that this the, these vulnerable issues are, are more than just you know supporting COVID testing or immunizations and the like. Um, and and what I know is that and I, because I've seen it now over and over as, as and it's been noted I think by Imka and Lisa is that when when we come together when manufacturers and retailers come together and use our our skills and our scale. Um, we can have impact. And I think even these other areas of vulnerability are ones that uh, we are in an unique position to, to address. Mm, absolutely. Yes, you mentioned mental health there, and that is just a huge part of this piece too. Very, very difficult for many people. So sticking to the topic of our fellow members, do you have a specific call to action you would like to share with them? to get them involved on, on this topic? Sure, Louise, I'll, I'll take that one. Um, listen, it's, there's, it's never too late to get involved. And um, this is a crisis that's going to be around for a long time. Certainly the food insecurity will linger for many years to come. So 
do what you can, whether it's big or small, it all adds up. I think the booklet uh, we've produced has so many inspiring stories and lots of creative ways to support the effort. And um, it's not just about doing, doing it because it's the right thing to do. Um, it's about a, a responsibility that we have as an industry. And I think um, we've really shown our communities and our consumers that we're not just about business, that we're really about contributing to society and being a force for good and working together. Um, there are times and places that we compete, but there are many times and places where we really need to come together for the common cause. So uh, the more who join the effort, the better. Thank you, Lisa. So turning it around uh, to a more personal question now, I'm intrigued to know how has COVID-19 changed your lives? Yeah, I'm happy to say something about this. Um, indeed, it, I mean, it changed life uh, from a life with travel, yeah. daily commutes, working in an office and, and quite a rich social life. Um, it went to a life closer to home, um, mainly family. Um, and although I must say I could use some more external inspiration and more spontaneous connection because I really miss those things, it has changed my life also partially for the better. I mean, there's, I, I'm able to stick to my planned daily exercises. Uh, I started to enjoy making healthy homemade lunches, for example. Um, so, so there's definitely some things that came out of this that I just hope to take with me uh, to, to the next decade in my life. Um, so there's already some good learnings, uh, I must say, um, but I can't wait to have, to, to have those yeah, spontaneous contacts again, because now it all feels very functional. Mm, I agree, yes. Spontaneity is definitely lacking, especially in terms of traveling or making plans to go to a restaurant at the last minute. Marcus, how has your life changed? I mean, I'd certainly echo the, the, the kind of sense of isolation that, that I think we've all felt and, you know, it, the strange realities of, for example, as we just came out of it, not getting to spend holidays with the family or not on a daily basis, you know, being at a, being in an office, you know, connecting with team or peers. But I, I think it is, um, I think it is exactly as Imka mentioned, um, what in some ways it, it, it also uh, COVID has also kind of uh, forced me to, to be open to, to new approaches to, for example, address my health. You know, I've, I've told people that pre-COVID I maybe did uh, yoga four times in my entire life. And um, over the course of about a 45-day uh, period, I did it 40 times. Um, and I've continued to do it. Maybe not. That's as wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so I think things like, you know, introducing, being more deliberate on things like yoga or mindfulness and meditation. I'd also say that my, the, the my, my, the, probably the biggest beneficiary in a positive way of COVID is my, is, are my two dogs who have certainly seen way more walks uh, than, <laughs> they, than they ever saw before. So they're at least healthier from all this. I'm sure they've loved having you around far more than ever before. <laughs> yes. Lisa, how about you? Sure. Yeah, building on all of those things. Um, I, I would say for me, it's been um, a bit of forced family time. And 
Uh, it's been such an incredible blessing. I mean, all of I've I've got two teenagers at home, a husband and a dog, and we were all kind of overscheduled and going in different directions. So um, this has forced us to slow down. We've been doing a lot of family bonding. Um, you know, I can't remember having so many consecutive dinners together. We've watched the Godfather trilogy. I mean, it is, um, it's really been um, a special time. I'm certainly going a bit stir crazy at the moment. We all are, but um, knowing that my kids are teenagers and they're going to fly the nest soon, I'm kind of cherishing this together time as kind of the last time our, our family will, will be together in this way. So it's the silver lining. Yes, that, that's lovely. There are definitely some silver linings to all of this. So that leads me very nicely to my final question. I did want to ask, what do you think the positive outcomes will be from this pandemic? Because there surely are some. Who would like to jump in? I'll go first. Uh, you know, I think there, I, I, I see a, a couple. I, I think one is, and, you know, and, and I, I'll, I'll admit, I, I sort of live, I, I work, um, uh, though I work for Walmart, I work in the in the health and wellness and healthcare area. And so a lot of this comes through that. But I, I think we're, we, you, there's a lot of positive things that are going to come out of it. And just in terms of influencing um, our behavior behaviors as consumers um, to be sort of more mindful around, um, uh, you know, just the small things we can do to keep ourselves healthier. I mean, hand washing and, you know, the, the um, and, you know, you know, just kind of being smart around things like that, I think is actually going to have an enormous impact because, um, you know, you th we, though we don't talk a lot, a lot about it, um, um, and it, and it certainly has not been anywhere near the level of impact that COVID has had, but you think about the impact that flu and other infectious diseases have on an annual basis globally, particularly those who are the most vulnerable, um, I'm hopeful that some of these changes that we've uh, undertaken because of COVID will actually have a positive impact on also uh, uh, in, in reducing the burden that comes from some of those other uh, issues. I also just think we're seeing, um, you know, I think positive changes in terms of, uh, um, again, the way people are engaging their health and, uh, uh, and, and you know, trying to find being more mindful around it. I mean, I think we're more and more hearing the, again, hearing these stories about what people are doing at home. Um, you know, if it's small changes in their, you know, what the, how they eat or, you know, how they're really being more mindful around exercise um, that, that I think ultimately in the wrong, long run is are going to pay, you know, is going to you know, pay significant dividends by helping us just be a healthier population and uh, species overall. So I, I think, you know, as as tragic as the pandemic has been, I'm, I'm at least see a, a silver lining there relative to our overall health. Absolutely, absolutely. And Lisa, what do you think? Yeah, I I'm going to answer it actually in two ways. One, mm -hmm. building on top of what Marcus said, and just kind of having a, a new perspective and appreciation for um, the essential things in life, the simple things, health, family, friendship. Um, I think it's really put a renewed perspective on that. Certainly it has for me personally. Um, from the corporate perspective, 
I also think we've learned some valuable lessons that we can take forward. And I think we've proven to ourselves, to the communities that we support, that we are a reliable, trusted partner and that we can get on with it no matter what. And um, it's really about, we'll, we'll, we'll take the, um, the, the exercise theme a little far, further as I feel like we've really built the resiliency muscle as an industry and that's been incredibly empowering. So I see a lot of employee pride coming out of this, uh, commitment, engagement from our employees. So I think that's really a benefit. And I think it's something that's going to define our corporate culture for many years to come. Well, thank you very much to all three of you for taking the time to chat today and share your stories. It's been really good to hear how your companies have been uh, adapting and working in this this crazy COVID world that we're currently in and also how on a personal level your lives have transformed somewhat during the pandemic. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. If you would like to find out more about our work at the Consumer Goods Forum, you can visit our website at www.theconsumergoodsforum.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the podcast for more episodes coming very soon. Thank you for listening and bye for now. And being faster is, is key to 